Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, it's all about technology that can both protect and harness the power of one of our area's most valuable natural resources, Lake Erie. First, a conversation with Joy Mullinax, who is the executive director of the Ohio Lake Erie Commission, on why the state has formed a committee to evaluate technology to deal with harmful algal blooms. Mullinax tells us that algae is naturally occurring in bodies of water and is beneficial for fish and wildlife. But she says sometimes it gets out of control and can be toxic. And so at a certain point, the the toxins can become significant enough that they create hazards for swimmers and people who come into contact with the water. So is the lake any kind of a significant source of drinking water for communities in Northeast Ohio? And is that an issue too with regard to the toxins? Lake Erie is the water source for nearly 3 million Ohioans, so it is most definitely an issue. And so the Ohio EPA has been working collaboratively with those communities that use Lake Erie as their drinking water source to make sure that they're doing sufficient monitoring throughout the harmful algal bloom season to deal with managing the water and making sure that the toxins are not in their finished water that goes into people's taps. So you did mention that algal blooms are natural. They happen in all waterways, etc. But isn't there some sort of human activity component to making them worse or making them bigger? There is. Our problem in Lake Erie is that Lake Erie is receiving too much phosphorus. And so If you remember your science classes, plants need certain nutrients to grow and sunlight. And in the case of Lake Erie, those algal blooms are getting so much phosphorus that it encourages this high level of growth through the summer months. And so roughly 88% of the phosphorus loading that goes into the western basin of Lake Erie is coming from farm field runoff. What is it that the farmers use phosphorus for on their fields? Is it for fertilizer or something else? They are using it in the form of fertilizer, and you can buy commercial fertilizer. You can also use manure fertilizer. Both have phosphorus in them. And so the plants on their field are taking up the nutrients that they need. And sometimes when we have wet weather events, the excess is getting washed into the receiving streams, creeks, et cetera, and eventually makes its way into Lake Erie. I get it. So really, it's a beneficial kind of element that's used to help us grow food. But the overflow then is what causes the harmful algal blooms then. That is precisely the challenge. We need our farm fields to have the right amount of nutrients to have healthy crops. And so there's a lot of outreach and education to farmers to make sure that they're applying the right amount of fertilizer at the right time of year. Again, you want to make sure that you're avoiding application to frozen fields or during a 24-hour period when 
a heavy rainfall is expected. So you need the right amount. You need it at the right time to make sure that your plants and crops are growing. Excellent. So then, Joy, I wonder if you could then tell me about the kinds of new technologies to help control the algal blooms that are going to be evaluated and what's new and interesting about it. We know that there are a number of products out there. And what the Technology Advisory Council was created to do is help the states evaluate them to make sure that all of these technologies are valid and can work on Lake Erie. So Lake Erie is a little bit challenging in that it's a very large body of water, much bigger than you know someone's pond or a smaller lake where these other products have been used. And it's also a moving body of water. So there's a current carrying things through. So we needed some additional expertise to help us evaluate these different products to make sure that they are valid. When we say products, are we talking about chemicals applied to the water or machines that suck up the algae or a combination of the two? Yeah, it's definitely a wide variety of technologies. We have heard about different types of seeds that farmers could use that wouldn't need as much phosphorus or that could use different types of fertilizers. We have heard about different types of fertilizers that aren't water-soluble, but instead would provide the necessary phosphorus when the crop releases certain acids into the soil. We have heard about different products that you would apply to the water in order to break apart the algae. There are also machines that could be used to you know, remove that algae once it has been growing in the water, different filters. So it really encompasses a lot of different technologies that are out there. That was Lake Erie Commission Executive Director Joy Mullinax. If you'd like to find out more, go to h2.ohio.gov. Lake Erie is also where a very different kind of technology may be operating in the not-too-distant future, wind power. That because the Ohio Power Siting Board recently greenlighted a long-planned wind farm out in the middle of the lake. Dave Karpinski is the president of the Lake Erie Energy Development Corporation, more commonly known as LEADCO, and he tells us he's delighted they're moving ahead, though because there could still be some appeals and legal challenges, it's not clear exactly yet when construction will begin. The project is named Icebreaker Wind. It's a demonstration project uh, sited in Lake Erie, about eight miles north of Cleveland, and it's six wind turbines that will generate about 21 megawatts of power, which is enough power to power about 7,000 homes. And the whole idea of this project was to really demonstrate offshore wind in Lake Erie from so many facets, from the environmental impacts to public acceptance to construction methodologies and technology. The idea is that we could build this project and really prove out and demonstrate how an offshore wind project would work in Lake Erie. And based on that experience, then evaluate the potential for future projects down the road. I see. So this is something very new for Northeast Ohio, actually for Ohio in general. There's no other place in Ohio that's doing exactly this, right? So it's more than that. There's no place in the Great Lakes, although New York is starting to have some early stage activities. So it's new for the Great Lakes. It's also new for the U.S. There's only one project that's been installed 
in offshore in the U.S. That's called Block Island Wind Farm. That was a couple of years ago. So it's a very new industry with a lot of potential. There's a lot of activity on the East Coast, and this would put Ohio in a position to really capture a lot of economic impact and economic benefits from this new industry, and also to create a scalable source of renewable energy for the region, both of which, uh, you know, in our opinion, are really badly needed for the region. So we're pretty excited about what this could bring to Ohio and the region. Now, when you say there's only one other one in the United States, are you talking about the one that's offshore in Virginia in the ocean, or are you saying there's another one in a lake somewhere in the U.S.? No, no. So there's only one project. It's, it's actually off a small island that's part of Rhode Island. So it's called Block Island. It's a little island that's part of the state of Rhode Island in the ocean. That's the only project installed and operating to date. There are many, many, many more that are planned on the East Coast, but none are installed and operational yet. There are none in freshwater in the U.S. There are many installed in freshwater in large lakes in Europe with a couple, you know, over 10 years. I think one's over 20 years of experienced runtime. So we have a a lot of history on freshwater impacts, but it will be the first project in freshwater in the U.S. And can you recap for me the advantage of having it out in the middle of Lake Erie? Why that's a good place for you to have a wind farm? You know, the wind is really strong out over the lake. It's much stronger than any of the wind resource that we have over the state. So it's very competitive and, and very intense wind that will generate a lot of power. Uh, secondly, it's close to load centers. By that, I mean, you know, people that use the power. So in a power generation, the closer you can generate the power to where it's used, the more efficient that is. So that's another great resource. It's away from people's property lines, and that's become somewhat of a controversial issue over the past years. And I think, lastly, it's the resource that we have in this region. So if we want to really transition away from fossil fuel-based electricity, the question is, well, what resources do we have in this part of our world? And this offshore wind is really the, is just a tremendous resource that I think is our blessing and something we can tap into to create large-scale renewable energy sources for a region, for our state, and for this part of the grid. That was Lead Co-President Dave Karpinski. You can find out more about their icebreaker wind project at leadco.org. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.